0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Until I'm done with you, that's it. Not
1: a second sooner or a second later. When it's time, it's time. Aloha. That's it. But not before. Again, would to God that we would not be trapped by the fear of man. No man, no one can do no thing to me. Unless the Lord allows it, and the Lord will never allow it unless it's His plan, His will
0: for His glory, my good. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. None of us wants to experience death. Even with heaven on the other side, most of us experience anxiety thinking about the way we'll get there. As Pastor JD will explain in today's message, you may experience pain and suffering, but you can lean in to God through it, trusting that He'll use you for His greater purpose in that hardship. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired in and Truth podcast or download the Inspired in and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: This is what I want you to do, Jeremiah Baruch. I want you to write everything down. You have a written document now, and I want you to read it in their hearing for the purpose of them turning from their evil way to me. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And verse 8, Baruch, the son of Naraya did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now, verse 9. It came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, that they, they, not the <laughs> kings, the people, proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem, and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. First, 10, Then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shafan, the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house, in the hearing of all the people. Okay, um, notice <laughs> the inclusion of specific names. Why? Two thoughts. First, these were real men. I think it's... It's so easy for us, and we do so at our own peril when we're reading God's Word. And, we, we, you know, we, first of all, we can't pronounce the names. I'm doing my best. I'm, Of course, these are Hebrew names, but I'm giving you the Arabic pronunciation of these Hebrew names, just so you know, just for the record. And so I'm doing my best. So we, we can't pronounce them, let alone, I mean, why? why do I need to know their names? Oh, because these were real people. You know, if it's generic, it's just, well, this, you know, this man over here did this, and that man over there did that. Well, no, wait a minute. Uh, His name, he has a name. What's his name? Gemariah. Oh, oh, I I remember. uh, That's Shafan's kid. Uh, His dad, I know his dad. I remember him when he was a little whippersnapper, little boy running around getting into mischief. Well, not now. Not only is it he a real man, he's a godly man. And not only a godly man, he's a godly father. And we're going to see that here shortly. That's why we have the specificity of the names, I believe. And I think we would do well to consider when God deems it necessary to record the names of of these men and women, mightily used of God, we should take notice. These were real people just like you and me, different time, same God. They had struggles like you and me. They dealt with issues and life's pressures like you and me. But unlike you and me, they lived at a time when God deemed it necessary to include the record of their lives and their names and their sons and their lineage in Scripture for a reason. These were real people. Verse 11, when Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he, verse uh, 12, then went down to the king's house, into the scribe's chamber, and there all the princes were sitting. And here's some more names for you. Take note. Elishama the scribe, Delayah, the son of Shemaiah, El-Nathan, the son of Achbor, Gemariah, the son of Shafan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then, verse 13, Micaiah declared to them all the words, notice, all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the book in the hearing of the people. Therefore, all the princes sent Jehudi, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Shalamiah, the son of Cushi, to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people and come. So, Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down now and read it in our hearing. So, Baruch read it in their hearing. Now that's a Bible study. Times two. (laughs) Two times. Um, He read the entire book of the scroll, which was not like we have now. It was a scroll, quite lengthy. I don't know how long it took. We're not told. You can imagine. And he read it two times. All the words that were written. That he wrote, by the way, at the command of the Lord through Jeremiah. Now, verse 16, it happened, when they had heard all the words, that they looked in fear from one to another, that's called holy fear, the fear of the Lord, and said to Baruch, we will surely tell the king all of these words. And verse 17, they asked Baruch, saying, tell us now, how did you write all these words at his instruction? So, Verse 18, Baruch answered them, he proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book, scroll. Then, verse 19, the princess said to Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. They're going to kill you for this. And, verse 20, they went to the king, into the court. But they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So, verse 21, the king sent Jahudi to bring the scroll, and he took it from Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king, and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Are you still there? We're in a different chamber now. This is a different room reservation. You're there. The king's there. Ooh. The prince is ooh. You're kind of in the back of the room. You kind of want to be, you know, incognito, anonymous. You don't want, you know, (laughs) you're just kind of watching this whole thing go down. Verse 22, now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month and with a fire burning on the hearth before him. How cozy. And it happened. Verse 23, when Jehudi had read three or four columns, that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Are you kidding me right now? Listen, if I'm Baruch, I'm like, no! You know how much time it took me to write that? What's up with this? You, he take, look at the detail again. You're there, right? You saw him. Did you see him? I saw him. He took the scribe's knife. This is the word of God. Do you ever you take your Bible? Don't do this, please. Just imagine this. You take the knife, the razor, what they call it, exactos, you know, the, and you start, oh, I don't like that word, that passage, that verse, so. Oh. Throw it into the fire. That's the Word of God. What are you doing, man? No, you didn't just do that. Oh, yes, you did. I can't believe you did that. You're, you're cutting away, tearing away, taking away the Word of God. What are you hoping to do? Are you trying to remove it so that it doesn't happen? Oh, yeah, that's actually why. And come on, let's, again, we, <laughs> well, I'm getting ahead of myself at verse 24. This is chilling. <laughs> You're still there, right? You're watching the reaction to the king now taking the knife and cutting the word of God and throwing it into the fire. And he does it until the entire scroll is burned in the fire. You would think that there would just be a collective gasp. There's not. Verse 24: yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, as was the custom. The king, nor any of his servants who heard all these words. Now, we need to talk about this, okay? Because if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you'll read this. I know it's unbelievable, right? But it happened. And, again, if you're anything like me, you you, you just kind of dismiss it like, I would never do that. Well, no, wait a minute. Not so fast. Oh Are you telling me that I would take the Word of God and take my scissors and start cutting parts that I don't like out of it, and then I put it on the grill and fry it and barbecue it and burn it, get rid of it? I would never do that. Well, you may not do it like that. But that doesn't mean that you're not gonna do something like that. How so? Oh, you know how it is, right? You're reading a passage in God's Word, this is something like that. And it convicts you. Not condemns you, it convicts you because the Word of God is like a double-edged sword and it cuts and it burns. It's a it's a holy fire. And it starts burning off those things that have taken up residence in my life, and I don't like it. So instead of letting it burn me, I burn it. Oh, i got to eliminate it. I may not throw it into the fire there on the hearth, but I'll eliminate it in other ways. I just won't bring it up. I won't talk about it. I'll just skip over it. I'll eliminate it. I, I, I certainly won't quote it. Now, as a pastor, I'm not going to teach on it. Well, I have to. <laughs> That's what you get for teaching the whole counsel of God, book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Believe you me, there are so many places in God's Word. I'm not a, I'm ashamed to say, much to my own embarrassment, there are places in God's Word where if I didn't teach the Bible expositionally, I wouldn't touch them with a 10 foot pole. You know why, right? because I would be so convicted. I'm convicted anyway, but let's just, let's cut that out. And and this is what happens, especially, and please hear my heart on this, when it comes to, and this happens every day, it's alive and well today, many a pulpit will skip over and eliminate things like this. And it's akin to cutting it out, taking it out, How about leaving it out? So you'll get a pastor teaching topically and, oh, we want to speak only smooth things, not the hard things. So we'll just kind of, yeah, we'll cut that out of our sermons. We'll just eliminate it. We'll not include it. And here's what that looks like. You'll get a, a, again, please hear my heart, okay? You'll get a pastor and you know, he'll get up there and he'll teach from the Bible, but not teach the Bible. He'll preach from the Word, but not preach the Word. And the immature, illiterate Christian, when it comes to the Word of God, will hardly notice. They'll sit under teaching like that, and, oh, he just skipped over something, and he's eliminating, cutting removing the Word of God, rendering it null and void, but the Word of God does not return void. And it's not what he says. It's what he does not say. Oh, he's He's quoting Scripture. What's wrong with that? Why are you being so critical? Pastors are the most critical, by the way, of other pastors. When Pastors teach, I remember back in the day, Pastors teaching at a pastor's conference, horrified, mortified. I mean, you're, you're sweating and perspiring your own blood. All these pastors are going, so you, you're you listening to this, and you're not thinking critically, and, and you're taking it in. And it's good, and you want to hear that, and your ears are itching to hear that, but it's not what you're hearing him say, it's what you're not hearing him say. So you'll get, and these are big churches by the way, I don't need to mention names, you already know their names, you know exactly who I'm talking about. These preachers are just, it's all fluff and puff, splash and flash. I've got a couple more if you want I can mention. But it's just smooth, yeah. But it's not what they say, because that's true, God is love. God loves you, but what they're not saying is God is just, and God is going to judge, and judgment is coming, and God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Take heed to the word of God. Hey, we want these people to come back next week. Ah, I better keep moving. I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble. Verse 25, Nevertheless, Ilnathan, Dalaiya, and Gemariah implored the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jarahmil, the king's son, Seraiya, the son of Azrael, and Shalamiya, the son of Abdil, to seize Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Nah, 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 nah. Nice try. Uh, God protects his servants. You want to kill him? You can't kill him. I hold the, the days of his life in the palm of my hand, safely under the shadow of my wing, and you're not going to touch him. You can, what shall I fear? What can man do unto me? There's a difference between being paranoid and being prudent. This is prudent. The wise see danger ahead. The prudent see danger ahead and take refuge. Like Baruch and Jeremiah, the fool keeps going on and suffers the consequence. That's folly. This is wisdom. This is wisdom. This is prudence. This is the Lord protecting his own. No, I'm not done with you. You still got another 20 some chapters to write, Jeremiah. You ain't going anywhere till I say you going, (laughs) until I'm done with you. That's it. Not a second sooner or a second later. When it's time, it's time. Aloha. That's it. But not before. Again, would to God that we would not be trapped by the fear of man. No man, no one can do no thing to me. Unless the Lord allows it, and the Lord will never allow it unless it's his plan, his will, for his glory, my good. God's going to protect his prophets from those who would seek to kill him. God's going to protect you and protect me from those who gnash their teeth at us, seek to kill us, even silence us. Hey, that's, that's my prophet. You ain't touching it. Don't even think about it. You want to kill Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet? <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Verse 27. Now, after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim the king of Judah has burned. Oh, if he only had a computer backup, he could just print out another copy. But no, you mean i got to write this whole thing out all over again? You know how long that it took me? And this guy put it in the fire, burn it, all that hard work, and i got to start all over? Of course he didn't say that. I would have said that. I would have completely complained the whole way. And verse 29, you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus says the Lord, Uh (laughs) uh-oh, here it comes. This is what they affectionately refer to as when the other shoe drops, as the saying goes. Thus says the Lord, you have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it, the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here? Did you catch that? Oh, that's why you burned it, huh? Because you didn't like what it said about you and what was coming upon you, so I know how we'll deal with this. We'll just burn it. I don't like it. Let's just burn it. Well, because you burn it doesn't mean it ain't going to happen. In fact, now you know what I'm going to double down. (laughs) Now I'm really. Now you really. Now you did it this time. Nice try. Therefore, verse thirty. Thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah. He shall have no one to sit on the throne of David and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him, verse 31, his family and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring on them, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, but they did not heed. Then Jeremiah, verse 32, took another scroll and gave it to Baruch, the scribe. (laughs) Here we go again. I already got cramps in my hand from writing the first one. He gave it to Baruch, the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire, and besides there were added to them many similar. Wow. Do you see how these two chapters are knit together, woven together, go together? And here this chapter ends with an astounding contrast between, like the chapter before it, the blessing of obedience to God's word, And conversely, the curses of disobedience to God's Word. Ah, I think I'd be grossly remiss if I didn't close on this note. Obedience is easier than disobedience. A disobedient life is a harder life. The path of the sinner is hard. A disobedient life is harder than an obedient life. Well, you say, Pastor, obedience is hard. Wait. The commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Jesus said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come unto me, all you who are weary and labor, and I will give you rest. James says, The wisdom from above is easy to be entreated. John says again, The commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Well, so you're telling me obedience is not hard? No, because of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit equal holy life. How am I going to be obedient? Well, in and of myself, it's impossible. But in the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling me, enabling me, empowering me to live an obedient life in me, through me, and in some ways it could be safely said instead of me. It's not me striving and sweating it out and white-knuckling it to be obedient. No, it's the Holy Spirit in me that enables me and empowers me to live a holy and obedient life. One last thing. This is very important. What do you give to that person that has everything they want for nothing? What kind of a gift can I get them that they need? They've got everything they want. Well, have you ever thought about it like this? What's the one thing that we can give God that he doesn't necessarily have? You know the answer. Our obedience. It's the one thing that we can give give to God that he doesn't already have. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Forget sacrifice. Obedience. The one thing that we can give God is our obedience.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaniohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.
1: i